And here we go. Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. Welcome, y'all. Episode 12? Yeah. Are we going to do a 13 or do we skip it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. You know, on a lot of high rises, they don't have a 13th floor. Yeah, I know. That's why I brought it up. Should we just skip over 13? I mean, realistically speaking, could our fucking luck get any worse? Yeah, you're not having a good day today. No. I fucked up my toe, guys. Bad. By opening a door. It's a scratch. I'm sorry. Do you want me to do it to your toe? I can't feel my legs. Okay, well then shut up. (laughs) I can, and it fucking hurts. I gotta say, your resting bitch face is on point today. Dude. You should have seen it yesterday. Holy shit. I deserve a medal. I see it not, every day. No. I should get the medal fucking putting I up with it. I deserve a medal for not making a fucking facial expression yesterday. <laughs> Seriously. Steak dinner. Something. I think I deserve the steak dinner. Why? Because I put up with your resting bitch face every day. Oh, what? Okay, but it's not like... It's just my face. It's not, like, directed at you. Well, can you do something with it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Then people might think I'm approachable. God only knows how that'll fucking work out. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Could you not be a dick about my toe? It hurts. (laughs) Jesus. When you did it, I was about to laugh, but then... I would have fucking punched you. Yeah, you you were in serious mode. Motherfucker. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought my whole toe, my whole toe fell off. I did. I hate you. Right you now. were in full vape like voice, and oh my god, my toe! All of the skin is missing from my toe. <laughs> All of it, every bit of it. You're uh, such a jerk. You love me. You, whatever. <laughs> what do you got for us? So, this is Lola's request. Oh, okay. So, I had to um, Google how to pronounce the word, and I'm probably <clears throat> still going to pronounce it wrong. What word? San Ysidro. Is that the town? Yeah. Oh. Well, eh, kind of. It's a neighborhood in a town. It's a neighborhood in San Diego. Hang on. Okay. Let's just see. Hang on. Oh, are you doing the voice? San Ysidro. San Ysidro. San Ysidro? So San Ysidro. So this is the San Ysidro McDonald's Massacre. What's, where, California? Yeah. Okay. So it's a neighborhood in San Diego, like Mount Greenwood in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, So just a a disclaimer, it's it's pretty graphic. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. I think if people have been listening to a few episodes, they get... Well, that, and I think, I mean, the word massacre might give it away, but... Yeah. I just, listener discretion advised, it's it's graphic. I don't want anybody to come back and say that they're now traumatized because of me. I mean, more people (laughs) to say they're traumatized because of me, so... Uh. God, you're a dick today. 
I didn't say anything. I just laughed. Mm-mm. <laughs> I already forgot how to say it. San Ysidro. <laughs> right? San Ysidro. Yeah. I will say, too, there are a lot of um, names in here that I'm probably going to butcher. So I oh, apologize. Excellent. Yeah. I apologize in advance. Like, so. why can't they just be names like Mike and Ray? I think there is a Ray in here. Finkel? No, not Ray Finkel. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm having a rough day. I'm having a rough, like, three fucking weeks. Yeah, I got so. you. Maybe I should get ice cream tonight. I feel like that would <laughs> help me. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, the kids are gone. Fuck yes. Yeah. I love how Jax just, like, plans his own fucking sleepovers now I with know. Nana. He'll call me and be like, so Nana's coming to get me. I'm like, did, did you even fucking call her? And he's like, yeah. Okay. And it was probably, I got, it wasn't an argument, but it was a debate about 20 minutes just having him go upstairs to get an extra pair of socks. It, it's, babe. He did more talking like, it took more time talking mm-hmm. about it than just going upstairs and getting them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, it's raining outside. Can you just wear your gym shoes? Well, no, I'm going to wear my flip-flops. And Okay, well, then I'll pack your shoes. Do what you want I, at this point. I don't care. I, yeah, I don't even. Whatever, dude. Just bring a pair of socks just in case. Well, no, I'm just going to. So then finally, Leah, can you just fucking get a pair I don't, of socks? I don't even my argue God. anymore. Dip, no, don't even argue. Oh, anymore. my God. Yeah. Pack what you want to fucking pack. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So that was like 20 minutes of my life wasted. They met me at the gas station on the way home so I could put in his Robux gift card. No, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mm. It, it, whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'll buy booze instead of ice cream tonight. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. I think I need some extra pills. I, can I have some? <laughs> I'm not sharing. <laughs> Fuck. Can I, like, lick your patch or something? <laughs> I mean. Good Lord. Man, I could hear that sucking in the vape. I can hear you spitting. Are you done now? Yeah, are you? All right. Guys, for real, like, I live in Will County. I will need bail money. I'm just saying. <laughs> Come get your girl. Mm-hmm. Come get your boy first. You'll be in the fucking pond. They ain't going to need to get uh, you. All right. Okay. San Ysidro, right? Yep. McDonald's Massacre. Okay. This one is, it's pretty, like, it's pretty fucked up. And I, I, I had heard of it before and seen some of the pictures because, like, back in the 80s, they didn't really censor pictures. So right. some of the crime scene photos that they released on the news were brutal. Yeah. Did you look this up at all after uh, I told you I was doing it? I saw a couple pictures. I didn't really read into it. Mm-hmm. I just figured I'd be surprised with you. But I did Google some pictures. and Yeah. Yeah, they were... <clears throat> pretty graphic yeah. but i i googled it because i have heard of it before yeah. you know I, I i don't know when but and the reason so lola asked for it and she said she hadn't really heard any 
podcasts about it. And yeah. on like page 10 of Google, I found two podcasts, but yeah. they're not even up anymore. Oh. So, so here it is. I thought it was going to be a little nugget, but uh, 20 pages later, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a nugget. I don't know. Maybe if I talk fast, but. Well, go so, for it. All right. So the San Ysidro McDonald's massacre took place on July 18th of 1984. San Ysidro is a neighborhood in San Diego just north of the California-Mexico border. It lasted 77 minutes, and there's a new documentary out called 77 Minutes, by the way. Oh, really? That refers to the time of the first shot fired by 41-year-old James Huberty until the time he was shot by a sniper. Mm. At the time of this event, this was the deadliest mass shooting by a lone gunman in U.S. history. Wow. Um, the only one before that was that the guy at the college. Yeah. So, um, 21 people were killed, 22 people if you include the shooter, and 19 people were shot and injured. Jesus. Yeah. It's a, well, first of all, it's a busy McDonald's, but yeah. whatever. So, James Huberty, he's the dickbag we're going to be talking about. Uh, he was born James Oliver Huberty on October 11th, 1942. He was born to Earl and Isil. I'm probably not saying that right. Huberty in Canton, Ohio. He was the second of two children in a devoutly religious family that regularly attended United Methodist Church. I just want to make a side note, and I'm not judging in any way, shape, or form, but do you notice how most of these, like, nutballs come from devoutly religious families? Mm, yeah, so. I do. <clears throat> so he contracted polio at the age of three. Mm. Now we have vaccinations. Yeah. He was required to wear steel and leather braces like Forrest Gump on both of his legs to minimize any potential disability. Hey, kind of like my braces. Yeah, kind of. Um, he did make a progressive recovery. However, it left him with a minimal limp for the rest of his life. Mm, kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> In 1950... 1950- Mama, I got new legs. <laughs> <laughs> They're my magic legs. <laughs> magic legs. So in 1950, Earl purchased a 155-acre farm, and his wife, Isla, was fucking pissed. <laughs> really? She refused to even view the property, let alone live in a rural area. I can't say that word. Why? I mean, that, uh, I, don't, I don't know. That actually sounds amazing. I know. And it, it just, yeah, she's like, no. But do you want to know what she left to do? <laughs> Shortly after the purchase of the farm, she left her family to become a Pentecostal missionary performing sidewalk preacher in Tucson, Arizona. What the fuck? Yeah. Hey, whatever. So, is that like code for hippie? Uh, I don't know. You got me. I don't know. So, I quit typing up my research by the way because it takes too much time so yeah and i had to yell at the kids because they were using all your paper yeah and these your computer these are the draw well these are the best notebooks ever too and targets out of them okay so i'm pretty pissed because i have fucking among me drawings on all my that's jacks was trying to fucking draw the little character and he kept messing up throwing a fucking fit grabbing a new piece of paper so Kate, if you go to Target, get me notebooks. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm. She'll hear it. So James was devastated by his mom leaving. His father would often find him sobbing by the chicken coop. 
Mm. Yeah. He was a sullen child who was frequently targeted by bullies for his limp and his family's religious beliefs. He didn't socialize well with his peers and instead focused on target practice. By the time he was a teen, he was almost an amateur gunsmith. Now, his dad was super into guns, taught him how to shoot, how to clean them, yeah. all that kind of shit. So it was something his dad and him kind of bonded over. I never got into that. Like even, Guns? Yeah. He, yeah. Even having them, you don't really. No. Nah. Being, you know, an yeah. ex-police officer. Yeah. Like, it's just, it was a, it was a tool, mm-hmm. you know, but like the gun guys, I just... I don't know. Yeah. It, it It's cool shooting them, but it, it, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't get a boner <laughs> shooting, you know. So, a family acquaintance would later describe him as, quote, a queer little boy who practiced incessantly with a target pistol. He was an average student, uh, but did decide to enroll in Malone College, and he was going to study sociology, which comes to be a little ironic yeah um he then decided that he didn't want to go there and he enrolled in the pittsburgh institute of mortuary science in pittsburgh pennsylvania that's a big change yeah and he graduated with honors in 1964 so he really liked it um he was issued a funeral director's license in 1964 and a year later he got his embalmer's license Hmm. in 1965 he married etna markland who he met while he was at Malone College. Shortly after that, he was hired um, at a funeral home in Canton, Ohio. He was very proficient at embalming. However, he was kind of shitty with people. (laughs) Just introverted, didn't really, you know, wasn't very sympathetic, which you kind of have to be to work in a funeral home. Yeah. You you know, you can't be a douche. I don't want to talk bad about the people that worked at the morgue. But, like, every time I was there, like, I think that's just... How they are. That's how they are. Yeah. Like, not talkative, you know. I would walk in, hey, what's going on? it's not like they have anybody to talk to all day. So maybe they're just used to being quiet. (laughs) I mean, kind of funny. But when I first started going there, I mean, they had the radio blasting. I remember Britney Spears was playing one day. OMG. Hashtag free Britney. Yeah. Sorry. And Ash just... from Morbid tweeted me back. Well, and I fangirled it up this morning. I did. Um, so he was an introvert, didn't get along well with the public or his supervisors. He only stayed in that profession for two years. Um, after those two years, he became a welder for a firm in Louisville, Ohio. In June of 1969, he got a better-paying job as a welder at Babcock and Wilcox firm. In Babcock? Babcock and Wilcox. He was a reclusive, but his employer said he was actually a reliable worker. He willingly took overtime and had earned himself multiple promotions over the years. Um. Shortly after being hired by this firm, the couple moved into a three-story home in an affluent section of Massillon, Ohio. By the mid-70s, he was regularly earning between twenty-five and thirty grand a year, which is the equivalent to one hundred and twenty-one thousand yeah. to one hundred forty-five thousand now. That's, yeah, that's a lot of money. Inflation's huge. <clears throat> yeah. So in nineteen seventy-one. 
that three-story house that they moved into was destroyed by a fire. Oh, jeez. They bought a house uh, on the same street, and they later built a six-unit apartment building where the first house had stood because it, it was gone. Yeah. In 1972, their first daughter, Zelia, was born. And in 1974, their second daughter, Cassandra, was born. Cassandra. Cassandra. So, Huberty does have a history of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. He would beat the shit out of his wife, and he would also slap and or punch his daughters, and then hold knives to their throats. Oh, great guy. Yeah. His wife did file one report with the Canton Department of Children and Family Services, saying that he, quote, messed up her jaw. She then later recanted and said when he assaulted her, he'd usually only hit her one time. Oh, well, that makes it better. Right, right. Totally cool. Yeah. One time. Not a big deal. So in 1976, Aetna started making repeated attempts to get James into some form of counseling or therapy, hoping to alleviate his stress. Uh, he flat out refused. Yeah. Wouldn't go. Aetna took great efforts to minimize any possibility of agitating her husband, and she did this to pacify his temper, his anxiety, and his paranoia. So clearly there's a mental... Issue going right. on. Like, the domestic violence is one thing, but when you throw in paranoia, yeah. you know? So she really tried to influence and control his behavior, my guess would be, because she didn't want to get the shit kicked out of her. Right. So... She, and I don't even know, I, I don't know, but she somehow got him to believe that she was able to read his future by reading tarot cards. And mm. oddly enough, this would calm him down. Really? Yeah. He would follow the recommendations that she gave him and he would be calm for days at a time. Do you believe in that stuff? Tarot cards? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But uh. she couldn't read them. She pretended. Oh, really? She got him to believe that she could do it. Yeah. She didn't know how to read them. She faked it. Good job. But it worked. So the neighbors uh, thought he was a dickhead who was obsessed with fire uh, firearms and was very paranoid, remembering every setback, insult, or general source of frustration, whether it was real or perceived. Yeah. He believed in, quote, paying my debts, good or bad, and it usually ended with the police being called. Mm. Although... He, he had a few domestic, um, or excuse me, disorderly conduct charges, but n no convictions. Yeah. The only real criminal, not even criminal record. He had a couple traffic violations. Yeah. That was, that was really it. Um, he was a conspiracy theorist and a self-proclaimed survivalist. He believed an escalation of the Cold War was inevitable and that Jimmy Carter and then Ronald Reagan were conspiring against him personally. Hmm. hmm. He believed either an economic collapse or a nuclear war would cause a breakdown of society. So he's going a little fucking nuts. Right? Yeah. He felt the breakdown was fast approaching and he prepared his house. He had ample reserve supplies of non-perishable foods and had numerous guns he felt he needed to defend his home during the coming apocalypse. So he's got like a bunker. Oh, yeah. His home was a bunker. Mm. Like his whole home. Uh, a family acquaintance said that no matter where James was sitting or standing, he, quote, could just reach over and get a gun. Each firearm was loaded and all the safeties were disabled. Hmm. Sounds like a great house to be in yeah. when he's beating the fuck out of you. 
Uh, in November of 1982, he was laid off from the welding firm that he worked at, Babcock & Wilcox. This caused him beco to become more despondent. He was very upset over the dire financial situation that they were in and felt inadequate because he was unable to support his family. Yeah. When he was notified of the company's closing, a co-worker heard him say if he was unable to provide for his family, he would commit suicide and, quote, take everyone with him. Oh, boy. Shortly after being laid off, he started hearing voices. My guess would be he was hearing voices prior to yeah. and just didn't say anything because paranoia is part of that schizophrenia. Yeah. In early 1983, he put a loaded pistol to his head. His wife talked him out of it. Mm. He later said, you should have let me shoot myself. In spring of 1983, they sold the apartment building for $115,000 uh, after he was unable to find lasting employment. Shortly after that, him and one of the kids were in a car accident, which caused an exacerbation of his childhood neck pains from the polio and an occasional increasing nerve tremor of his hands and arms. Mm. In the summer of 1983, he applied for uh, Mexico residency for him and his family. He believed that the money he earned from the sale of the apartment building would last longer in Mexico than America. Mm -hmm. He then sold his home for $12,000 cash in September, leaving the remainder of the $48,000 mortgage um, to be taken care of by the person who bought right. it. He told his acquaintances of his plans to move to Tijuana for employment opportunities and said, quote, we're going to show them who's boss. He put most of his belongings in storage, but brought all the guns, all the ammo, and all the non-perishables. You can't so, forget that. You have 150 boxes of fucking canned beans. So neither the employment opportunities or his attitude got any better in Mexico. His wife and kids were adjusting well. He was not. I don't think he would have adjusted anywhere. No. Um, but he quickly regretted his decision to move. They ended up moving back to the United States within three months and relocated to San Ysidro, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. It's a largely poor district of San Diego, like I said, just north of the border. They rented a small apartment at Cottonwood Apartments. It was a large Mexican population, and he was very ignorant to his neighbors. April 12th of 1984, he completed a federally funded security guard training because that's a great fucking job for him. They don't vet these people. Well, probably back then, no. Mm. He was soon employed as a security <clears throat> guard with a firm in Chula Vista, and he was working at a condominium building. Within a month, his family was able to move into a bigger apart apartment on Avril Road and had all their shit from Ohio shipped to him. Mm -hmm. July 10th of 1984, he was fired for poor work for performance and general physical instability. Yikes. So your bosses thought you were fucking crazy, too. Yeah. Hang on, I need a drink. Goop, 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 goop. I wish there was booze in there. <laughs> July 15th of 1984... James finally told his wife that he suspected he had a mental problem. You think so? Yeah, right. You think? What What gave it away? I mean, it, at least he admitted it. A lot of people yeah, don't. Yeah, and I mean, bless his wife's heart. Like, you know, it's not like he was a nice guy. 
I mean, a lot of people don't reach out. I yeah. mean, I struggled after this, yeah. my situation in, in the hospital for so long. I, I told you I, I need help. Yeah. So July 17th of 1984, he uh, called a mental health clinic in San Diego and requested an appointment. He left his contact information and was promised a return call within a couple hours. He sat by the phone for hours and waited for a call back, and nobody called him. Mm. His polite demeanor and lack of previous hospitalization caused the operator to view this as a, quote, non-crisis with no real sense of urgency and marked it as needing to be handled within 48 hours. She also misspelled his name. July 18th of 1984, uh, the day started off with James going to court for a minor traffic violation. And he left pretty content because the judge didn't find him. So he went home and told his wife and kids, let's go to the fucking zoo. So they had passes, year-long passes, to the San Diego Zoo. So it wasn't uncommon for them to just go. It's not like a weird thing. However... While they were walking around the zoo, he told his wife that his life was effectively over and, quote, well, society had their chance. Oh, that's not good. No. He ate lunch with the family in the Claremont neighborhood McDonald's and then returned home. Yeah. While his wife was napping, he went into the bedroom wearing his standard maroon T-shirt and camo pants. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, I want to kiss you goodbye. She asked him where the fuck he was going because she was about to cook dinner. Yeah. And he said he was, quote, going hunting, hunting for humans. Oh, boy. He told his eldest daughter on the way out, goodbye, I won't be back. She would later state that she thought he was just going for target practice, like in a rural area, because that's what he did to alleviate anger. Yeah. He left the house with a gun over his shoulder and ammo wrapped in a checkered blanket. But because he, that's what he did, no, like, they didn't think it was odd. Yeah, but that statement? <laughs> oh, she said it after. Oh, the, him saying he's hunting humans? His yeah. daughter didn't hear that. Oh. He said it to his wife. Yeah, but... Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't find anything, like... Did she get up? Yeah. <laughs> or was she just like, eh, I'm done. Right. I'm done. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about whether, like, she went after him or, yeah. I wondered. Yeah. Maybe she didn't believe him. With someone that you know has a mental issue. Tells you they're going hunting for humans. Yeah. yeah. And has access to... Oh, beyond fucking access. Yeah. Yeah. So he left the house and drove to San Ysidro Boulevard. Witnesses say he first drove his Mercury Marquis sedan to the Big Bear supermarket, then towards a post office branch before turning into the McDonald's. At approximately 3.56 p.m., he already pulled into the parking lot of the McDonald's. There was 45 customers in the building. Mm. James was armed with a 9mm Browning HP semi-automatic pistol, a 9mm Uzi carbine, Mm. and a Winchester 1200 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. Jesus. He was not fucking around. No, he 
wasn't. He also had a box of a box, excuse me, and a cloth bag filled with hundreds of rounds of am- ammunition for each weapon. Mm. He entered the restaurant minutes later. When he walked in, he aimed the shotgun. Here's where it's going to get like. Um, aimed the shotgun at John Arnold, who was a 16-year-old employee who was uh, approximately 15 feet away from him. The assistant manager, Guillermo Flores, saw this happening and yelled, quote, Hey, John, that guy's about to shoot you. James pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. John Arnold thought this was just a distasteful joke and was like, fuck you, and walked away from the counter. Um, at the same time, the manager, Neva Kane, hearing all the noise, came to the front counter and was walking towards John Arnold at the counter as he was walking away. James Huberty figured out what was wrong with his gun and fired the shotgun at the ceiling. Then using his Uzi, he shot Kane once beneath the left eye. She was the first fatality. Now, some sources say, too, that he went and stood over her and shot her multiple more times in the head. Yeah. I don't know. Some say he did. Some say he didn't. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. But so Huberty then fired his shotgun at Arnold, hitting him in the chest and the arm. He shouted something along the lines of everybody get on the ground. He then started yelling that everyone in the building was dirty swine Vietnam assholes. Claimed he had, quote, killed a thousand and intended to kill a thousand more implying that he was in the military and went to the Vietnam War. Yeah. He was not. No. He was never in the military. So uh, a customer, a 25-year-old by the name of Victor Rivera, tried to get Huberty to stop. Um, He didn't want him to shoot anybody else. Huberty responded by shooting him 14 times, screaming shut up repeatedly as Victor screamed in pain. Everyone was trying to hide under tables and service booths. After shooting Rivera, Huberty turned his attention to a group of six women and children. 19-year-old Maria Colmenero, and I can't read my own handwriting either, Silva, died from a single gunshot wound to the chest. Nine-year-old Claudia Perez was fatally shot in the stomach, cheek, thigh, hip, leg, chest, back, armpit and head with the Uzi. Now that's like the the like the rapid fire one, right? Yeah. Okay. 15-year-old Imelda Perez, Claudia's sister, was shot once in the hand with the Uzi. Um the bullet went through her hand and actually hit her 9-year-old sister Claudia. Mm-hmm. Uh 11-year-old Aurora Pina was shot in the leg with the shotgun. She was being shielded by her 18-year-old pregnant aunt, Jackie Reyes. Jesus. Huberty shot Jackie 48 times with the Uzi. My God. Jackie's eight-month-old son screamed next to his mother, and Huberty yelled at the child, then shot him in the back with a single shot from the pistol and killed the baby. Next was Lawrence Versluiz, who was a 62-year-old man who was shot and killed just getting ready to fucking retire after being a trucker for 30 centimeters, drinking his coffee. After that, he went after 31-year-old Blythe Reagan Herrera, excuse me, who was shielding her 11-year-old son, Mateo, under a booth while her husband, Ronald, shielded Mateo's 12-year-old friend, Kevin Thomas, under another booth directly across from them. 
Ronald was telling um, Kevin to, to not move. He was trying to, you know, block him. Yeah. So Kevin was shot in the shoulder, arm, wrist, and left elbow, but none of these wounds were serious. Ronald Herrera was shot, shot six times in the stomach, chest, arm, hip, shoulder, and head, but he survived. Wow. However, his wife, Blythe, and his son, Mateo, were both shot multiple times in the head, and neither one survived. Next was 24-year-old Guadalupe Del Rio, who was laying against a wall under a booth with her friends. They said her friends were shielding her. Yeah. Uh, 25-year-old Gloria Ramirez and 31-year-old Aradelsi Vargas. Uh, yeah. Guadalupe was shot several times but was not seriously wounded. Uh, Gloria was somehow missed completely, thank God. Eris Delcy was shot in the back of the head one time. She died the next day at the hospital. She was the only person that was fatally wounded that lived long enough to get transported to a hospital. Mm. Huberty then killed 45-year-old Hugo Velasquez Vargas with a single shot to the chest. The first of many emergency calls started coming in shortly after 4 p.m. Um, the first call came in as being reported as the shooting of a child who had been taken to the post office. Now, there's a couple stories about that. So um, then the dispatcher mistakenly sent the police officers to a different McDonald's two miles away. Oh, Jesus. This delayed a lockdown and warnings to the public by several minutes. Um, At the same time that this was happening, Lydia Flores drove to the food pickup window when she noticed all the shattered glass and gunfire before, quote, looking up, and there he was, just shooting. She put that bitch in reverse, flew backwards, hit a fence, grabbed her kid, and hid in the bushes. I don't know why she didn't drive away. Yeah. Maybe her car was, I don't know, disabled after it, because I'm sure she, like, fucking gunned it in reverse and nailed that fucking fence. Yeah. So at approximately 4.05, Estolfo and Maricela Felix drove towards a service area with their four-month-old baby, Carlita. Um, Estolfo thought that the shattered glass was actually from renovation yeah. and thought that Huberty was a worker and he was coming right for them. He was walking right towards them. He fired his shotgun and his Uzi. It hit Maricela in the face, arms, chest, The wounds uh, inevitably left her blind in one eye and permanently lost the use of one of her hands. The baby was wounded in the neck, chest, and abdomen, and Estolfo was shot in the chest and the head. Maricela handed Carlita to Estolfo, who then handed the screaming baby to a woman who was just standing there, Lucia uh, Velasco. Now, this is where there's two different stories. So it says Lucia took the baby to the hospital while her her husband helped the couple into a nearby building. Right. Now, they all survived. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't find out. The first call came in as a child shot that they brought to the post office. Right. So it was a baby that was brought into the post office. So... some sources say that it was this baby that it was Carlita yeah and that mom and dad Maricela and Estolfo were inside the McDonald's when the shooting started right that they were sitting by an exit and uh Maricela saw somebody walking by and opened the exit and like threw the baby out essentially okay so 
Either way, they were there with the baby. The baby was handed off to Lucia Velasco and taken somewhere, whether into the hospital or the post office. Right. So now, because there's no no police there yet. Yeah. They're going to the wrong place. Um, People around the building knew what was going on. Obviously, they could hear it and see it. So this is really like the only warning that people had. Yeah. Um, So... Unable to hear people screaming at them, three 11-year-old boys rolled their bikes into the west parking lot. Um, they were just excited to be getting free ice cream cones. McDonald's had free cones that day. Yeah. Uh, Huberty shot at all three with the shotgun and the Uzi. Josh Coleman was shot in the back arm and leg. He inevitably played dead, singing to himself and not moving. Good job. Omar Alonzo Hernandez was shot several times in the back. Uh, Joshua said that he remembers looking at Omar and knew that he was dying because he was on the ground, shot multiple times and vomiting. David Flores Delgado was shot several times in the head. David and Omar unfortunately died at the scene. I told you this was kind of a rough one. 74-year-old Miguel Victoria... Yeloa and his wife, 69-year-old Alda Velasquez Victoria, were walking towards the entrance when Huberty shot Ada in the face with her shotgun, his shotgun. Miguel was cradling his wife in the doorway, wiping blood from her face, shouting curses at Huberty. He responded by swearing at Miguel and then shot him in the head. At approximately 407 The first officer, Miguel Rosario, arrived on scene and was immediately fired upon. Huberty saw the police officer pulling in and came outside with the Uzi. Right. Um, Officer Rosario was still able to relay pertinent information to the other officers on the San Diego Police Department. And very shortly after that, a six-block perimeter uh, lockdown was imposed. A command post was started two blocks away, and 175 officers were deployed to several strategic locations, followed an hour later by the SWAT team. Because Rosario got on scene and called for a signal 10, which was SWAT team. So, uh, Due to the rapid firing of multiple weapons and the reflections from the shards of glass, the police didn't know really how many people were inside and if he was keeping any hostages. They, yeah. they just couldn't see in the building. Because, you know, the windows are tinted. Yeah. So it's like they're not, the windows aren't shattering out. They're just spidering. Right. So they, they couldn't see shit. Yeah. Um, somebody who managed to escape the McDonald's told the PD that it was one guy, there's no hostages, and he's shooting at everyone he encountered. Which he was. Uh, a responding fire truck was then fired upon. At 5:05 p.m., all responding law enforcement officers were told to were excuse me were given the okay to take the shot if they had one. Hmm. Huberty then was seen uh, walking over to the radio he left on the counter. He had like a not like a ham radio, but like a portable radio. Yeah. Initially, having you know having news reports on. Yeah. So he was fucking around with the radio, found a radio station, and continued to shoot people while he was dancing to the music. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, this this pissed me off. 
And I had to write it down because it pissed me off. Yeah. A mother later told police she rushed out of the restaurant, then remembered her three-year-old was with her. Oh, fuck you. I'm sorry. You forgot your child? Yeah. Fuck you. What? And then she... She didn't even go back to, to get him. She managed to coax him out of his seat and have him run out of the building. Yeah. Louder for the people in the back. You forgot your child? Yeah. I would throw you over my fucking shoulder and carry your goddamn wheelchair yeah. and get the fuck out of there. And you forgot your child? That's like when you... The fires. The fires. Six adults survived. Seven children died. What, what the, the fuck? Yep. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Yep. So, yeah, that one really... um, That one really had me going. So I had to write it down because I knew you would appreciate how mad I got about it. Um, yeah, you forgot your three-year-old. You, they, they talk at three. If I can't get my kid out... I'm, I'm not I'm, getting out. I'm not getting out. I'm throwing myself over my fucking kid, yeah. and that's what we're doing. Yeah. You have another gentleman who was blocking his his kid's friend. Right. And this broad forgot her fucking three-year-old? Right. mm, Okay. I'll move on. (laughs) Um, Huberty then searched the kitchen area and found six more employees and said, oh, there's more? You're trying to hide from me. Like, now he's just a fucking creep. 21-year-old Paulina Lopez was repeatedly shot while yelling, don't kill me, don't kill me in Spanish. 19-year-old Elsa Balboa Falero and 18-year-old Margarita Padilla were killed. 17-year-old Wendy Flanagan, four other employees, and one customer were able to run and hide in a basement utility room. Mm. Shortly after that, 17-year-old Albert Leos managed to crawl to the utility room after being shot five times. Remember that name. 19-year-old Jose Perez was shot in the head after Huberty heard him moaning. He had already previously been shot and was moaning from his wounds, and Huberty didn't want to hear it. Wow. So shot him in the head. Jesus. Um, With Perez was his 22-year-old neighbor, Gloria Gonzalez, and a young woman named Michelle Carncross, who were both killed. Aurora Pina, remember, she was with the first group. Mm -hmm. She heard um, kind of a lull in the shooting, and she opened her eyes and saw Huberty staring right at her. Oh, my God. He swore, threw fries at her, then shot her in the arm, neck, and jaw with a shotgun. She survived. She was hospitalized longer than any other survivor, but she fucking survived. Wow. Um, at 5.17 p.m., 27-year-old Chuck Foster was positioned on the roof of the post office directly across from the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. He was a SWAT sniper and said, quote, I never did see his face. The first time I was actually able to see Huberty, he was sitting on a counter in about the middle of the building. Then he got up and started walking toward the door where we had a better view of him from the neck down. He stepped about six feet from the door, so I took the shot. He dropped the Uzi and was thrown back a few feet. This shot was fired from approximately 35 yards away. 
and hit Huberty in his chest, severing his aorta and exited through his spine, leaving a one-inch square wound on his back and killing him almost instantly. Good deal. Good fucking shot. Foster then relayed this to the other officers but remained focused on Huberty. Obviously, we know that, you know. Um, Police, again, still not being able to see inside. They were uncertain as to whether or not the sole gunman was dead. Yeah. Um, They entered about a minute later and got confirmation from a wounded girl that Huberty was the offender. One of them walked in, saw her moving, looked at her and said, is he the guy? And she shook her head, yes. Yeah. So um, it was apparent um, that several of the wounded people attempted to treat their own wounds and the wounds of others with napkins because that's all they had. So of the all the fatalities, uh, 13 people died from gunshot wounds to the head. Seven people died from gunshot wounds to the chest. And the one baby died from the shot to the back. Witnesses stated that Huberty would yell at or insult every person before shooting them. And at one point said that he himself didn't deserve to live, but that he was taking care of that matter. Yeah. Um, initially the San Diego police said that Huberty had, uh, shot everybody within minutes of being there. And these survivors were like, no, dude shot continuously for 40 minutes. So he was, you know, shooting and killing people and then continuing to shoot the people he assumed were dead. So that's uh, multiple people were shot multiple times because he just was running around, you know? There was 257 spent shell casings just in the building. One person. (laughs) Um, The day after the shooting, Huberty's father was interviewed and was devastated. Absolutely fucking devastated. Yeah. Why do I have an asterisk right there? I'll figure it out. Um, He said that, quote, yesterday was the worst day of my life. I feel so sorry for those people while he was weeping. I have an asterisk for some... Hang on. I got to find my asterisk. Nope. I don't know. Whatever. If I, if I find it, I'll read it. <laughs> um, the McDonald's actually nationwide temporarily suspended all of their radio and TV advertisements. Yeah. And in an act of solidarity, so did Burger King. Wow. Yeah. Um, John Huberty was cremated on July 23rd, 1984, with no official service. Good. He should Fuck face. Yeah. Um, Etna, his wife, and his daughters received death threats daily and ended up having to relocate three different times. Mm. Uh, several officers were showing signs of PTSD. PTSD wasn't really a thing then. Yeah, they didn't really diagnose no. it with them then, but no. clear symptoms of it. Night yeah. terrors, insomnia. Um, I mean, your Tuesday, pretty yep. much. Uh, August 2nd of 1984, the San Diego Police Chief William Colander held a press conference to disclose the results of the department's inquiry into the shooting because people were fucking pissed yeah. that they didn't go inside the building right away. Yeah. Um, the internal inquiry found that the SWAT team was delayed by rush hour traffic, but other than that, the police acted appropriately. Yeah. 
He stated that. And I mean, they were dispatched to the wrong right. fucking McDonald's. And here's the too. thing: like, the guy didn't. They couldn't. They couldn't see. So. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like the the blue canary theory. Or do you want them to run in and have this guy take them out as they're running yeah. in, and now you have no police officers? It, it's so. It's hard to explain to people who don't. Who don't get it? Yeah. You know, it, it's so easy for people like regular civilians to Monday mor- morning quarterback, you know, especially like what's going on now with like the, the videos, you know, that are, you know, the recordings of the police on TV. Right. You know, if, you're if seeing you're one not, side of it. Yeah. And if you're not in a situation like that, if right. you haven't fought for your life, <clears throat> right. shut the fuck up. Yeah. Shut up. And I mean, this guy had a Kevlar piercing ammunition in i mean huge fucking weapons yeah so so if the police go in and then they're shot shot, who the fuck is gonna a crackhead is gonna come save you so that's why i love like this big debate defunding the police and let's put you know mental health professionals on scene do you know how fucking bad that would go? You know, the other thing, too, that I think a lot of people don't realize, um, and we've we've talked about this a lot, as much as we give each other shit, without PD, you're not getting EMS. Exactly. We're, we're not coming it, in. Exactly. We so, have to go to right. every single call you go think to. Think about defunding the police. And how many police. went fucking bad? Mm-hmm. Quickly quickly on a call that you you wouldn't think would go bad you know what i mean I mean, how about the call when you fucking walked in for the psyche valve and i'm on top on top mm-hmm. of the guy with my partner because it wasn't just our, a psyche yeah valve. yeah fighting for our fucking lives mm-hmm. tasing him right do, doing nothing and him overpowering right us. or when i went on a full arrest and i had the daughter jump on my back physically yeah. jump on my back yeah. to try and pull me off send in a fucking counselor right so, so fuck you and most ems personnel feel the same way like as much as we're like ooh seems secure yeah. we're not going in without you guys exactly fuck that exactly you know i want to come home so a lot of people don't realize that with one of us comes the other no we come together so But this police chief uh, did say that any suggestion for the police that they should have stormed the restaurant is, quote, ludicrous. He also said people were pissed that it took so long for them to shoot him, too, which it was eight minutes from the time they got the okay to the time that um, they shot him. And the reason they didn't give the okay right away was because they could still see other people moving and they didn't want to mistake a civilian for the shooter. So once they were sure that everybody was out of the way in some way, shape or form, then they gave them the okay to take the shot. So there was an eight minute delay from the time they were given the okay to shoot to actually shooting. Because you're responsible for that bullet. Correct. Correct. And now, people won't realize that. It, so imagine if he ended up right. hitting someone else. Now, in those eight minutes, though, Huberty did not shoot anybody else. So that eight minutes did not affect the death toll or the right. injury toll in any way, shape, or form. He finished by saying, quote, I believe the operation was handled the way it should have been handled. 
Um, now one, uh, so the bullet that struck him was one of five shots from PD. I think they all pretty much saw the shot at the same time and fucking took it. Yeah. So, uh, when asked about motive, the police chief dismissed any notion of racial motive by saying, quote, he didn't like anybody. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) There was question as to whether or not it was racially motivated because it was a largely um, Hispanic Hispanic neighborhood and he was a dick to his neighbors. I I, I don't think that had. I think he just in general. Yeah. He he would have been a a dick to anyone. Yeah. I mean, he's got a a, fucking baby for crying. Come on. He's got a mental issue. Yeah. He doesn't like anyone. So within two days, the restaurant had been completely refurbished and renovated. Uh, You can't cook fries in two fucking days. How'd you rebuild this? Your fucking milkshake machine is always out. How the fuck did you do that? Uh, They should have tore that down, though. Well, they did, inevitably. So... They were hoping that it would open and become, quote, just another McDonald's. However, um, after speaking with um, city, uh, what's the word I'm fucking looking for? Council? Yeah. And the McDonald's Corporation. Yeah. They decided very shortly after on July 24th that they would not reopen the restaurant. Yeah. At midnight on September 26th, uh, the restaurant was actually demolished. Good. Following the demolition, McDonald's donated the ground to the city as long as uh, they agreed to not put another restaurant there. No, it should be a memorial. That's, babe, you're so smart. Mm. Uh, February of... And I got a brain injury. I know. In February of 1988, the land was sold to Southwestern College for $136,000 with the agreement that a 300-square-foot area in front of the campus was to be set aside for a permanent memorial to the 21 people who died. Nice. McDonald's constructed a new restaurant two blocks away. They also committed to donate $1 million to a survival fund with the widow of Ray Kroc, who was the founder of McDonald's, adding an additional $100,000 of her own money to assist with burial costs, financial aid, and um, for the relatives of the deceased, excuse me, and counseling for survivors. That's good. Admit, process. My toe hurts. I can't focus. (laughs) Um, Among protests from residents and some donors... Aetna Huberty was actually um, the first one to receive a payout. Now, there's a reason for that. Uh, as soon as I find it, I'll tell you. On page 105. The San Ysidro Family Survivors Fund defended their decision to provide a donation to Aetna Huberty and her daughters. Author and donor Norman Cousins stipulated that a percentage of his donation would be given to them because they were also victims. Yeah. They were. They were. You know, you can't really fucking blame them. So on December 13th, 1990, a permanent memorial designed by a former Southwestern College student, Robert Valdez, was unveiled at 460 West San Ysidro Boulevard. It was made of 21 hexagons made of white marble. Mm. And quote, the 21 hexagons represent each person who died. And they are different heights representing the variety of ages and races of the people involved in the massacre. They are bonded together in the hopes that the community in a tragedy like this will stick together like they did. 
it's actually re- a really cool memorial. Yeah. If you look at it. Um, I'll have to check that out. In 1986, Etna Huberty files suit against McDonald's and Babcock and Wilcox, seeking $5 million in damages. Hmm. She asserted that the murder spree, this one almost made me giggle, um, was triggered by a combination of poor diet. Her and James would eat at McDonald's almost daily. Um, It was triggered by poor diet and working around highly poisonous metals without protection for many years. Well, that I could... That I could see. Yeah, that I could see. So there were no drugs or alcohol in his system which kind of boosted her claim that the increased levels of lead and cadmium that were discovered in Huberty's body upon autopsy. Um, oh, so he did. He did have increased levels of lead and cadmium. Well, the lead could be from f- firearms so much. Well, right. And, well, he was a welder, so he was around it all the time. Yeah. We but... used to have to do lead tests all the time on the, the uh, firearms instructors. Yeah. So I mean, you're shooting lead. Yeah. So they allege that the accrual of those high levels had accumulated from an ongoing exposure to the fumes inhaled over the 13 years he'd been a welder. Which, mm. all right, I could yeah, see. Yeah, I, I could but, buy that. I mean, I feel like we're kind of pushing yeah. it. They said that exposure combined with ingesting monosodium glutamate which was in the McDonald's food that he regularly consumed. Those combined induced delusions and an uncontrollable rage. Mm. Or he was fucking crazy. Yeah. So. And just like burgers. Yeah. Uh, her suit was dismissed in 1987. Yeah. Thank God. She um, then died of breast cancer in 2003, mm. which was sad. Um, wow. No, I needed this part. Yep. July 25th of 1987. um, Oh, excuse me. Several family members and survivors sued McDonald's and the San Diego Police Department. Of course. All these lawsuits were combined and then dismissed. Good. The group appealed. So on July 25th, 1987, the California Court of Appeals upheld the summary judgment ruling the business had no duty of care to protect patrons from an unforeseeable assault by a murderous madman. And the implemented security measures typically used by restaurants to stop criminals couldn't have possibly deterred the perpetrator as he did not care about his own survival. Yeah. PD also... um, Of course they're getting sued. Right. PD was also exonerated with the appellate panel ruling, quote, in view of the sheer horror of the ordeal, it is difficult to imagine anything the police could have done or failed to do, which would have made the risk any greater than that to which the victims were exposed before police arrived. Wow. I, it, All of these lawsuits were dismissed in August of 1991. Yeah, and especially in that time frame, I mean, with, you know, their equipment is probably not, well, and, and that's and, the thing. So I mean, they, this would actually, it, it kind of changed the way the San Diego police did things. There was one officer who um, was being treated for depression because he felt that he was ill-prepared and yeah. inadequate because all he had was a 38 uh, millimeter yeah. gun. 
and that's it. That's all he had against yeah. this guy. So they they ended up, you know, changing the way they did things and and got better equipment and yeah. So they they were really I ill mean, equipped. Which... So I mean, for people to be like, oh, they should have ran in there with what? Yeah, their fucking pistol against an Uzi. Right. So. Right. I don't know. Uh, so the day after the shooting, Etna speculated to reporters that the motive was, quote, an attempt to get back at society. He was trying to make society hurt like he was hurting. Um, fuck you. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. However, within a year, Etna would state to police and reporters multiple times that she regretted not letting her husband kill himself the day she talked him out of it. Yeah. So I remember what my asterisks were for now. What? People describing the scene. So, uh, Dr. Tom Newman from the San Diego Medical Center Life Flight, he was a physician for them, described his initial impression of the scene. Quote, it was like they had just stopped in time. All these bodies were lying around. Heads were slumped on the table. The old man walking out the door was laying on the floor, donuts beside him. The two kids were dead by their bikes. The infant was dead in the arms of people. There were two burned hamburgers on the grill. So it was like everything just stopped. Mm. The mayor actually came to the scene also. And it was the San Diego mayor, Roger Hedgecock, said his stomach churned when he saw the carnage, stating he saw, quote, a couple with a child in between them, a very young girl and a parent on the floor next to her, a man in his 20s or 30s, an older woman slumped in a booth, two teenage boys in t-shirts and shorts with their dinner still half eaten on the table. So it was it a, kind of uh, that kind of reminds me of the photos I was <clears throat> able to see from the Aurora the Colorado the yeah. movie theater. So I'm I'm part of or was part of the Illinois Homicide Investigators Association. Every year we, you know, have a conference and we invite guests and the guest speakers are, are pretty good every year. Yeah. And a couple of years ago we had the a couple of the detectives that work the case. I wanted to go with you so bad. Yeah. In the photos of the shooting, I mean, just fucking terrible. I remember one of the cops said that the worst thing was just silence, but hearing everybody's cell phones go off. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Pulse Nightclub. Another yeah. officer said that, that everybody was calling to see if their family member was okay. But I know? mean, it, like the same thing, people with holding pop. Yeah. popcorn and uh, bodies everywhere and they had to use you know a section of the the movie theater as like a, a temporary morgue yeah and so holy fuck because of the amount of deaths they actually had to use the community center to hold um services yeah because the funeral home was overwhelmed oh, i mean yeah. it's a very small neighborhood yeah they were overwhelmed and trying to do back to back to back oh, funerals yeah. you know it was 20 21 people right so how fucking terrible yeah isn't that insane but it makes me think you know i'm not being a gun nut imagine if one of those persons was armed yeah, like mm -hmm. someone, you know, concealed carry yeah. person. 
I mean, in 1984, obviously it wasn't no a thing. But that's, you know, I, I mean, shit, arming officers with more than just their fucking pistol wasn't yeah, a thing and either. More training, right? More fucking training, right? Let's defund us. Okay, well that takes away our training. So you'll get a repeat of yeah, this. Yeah, and then it, part of that too is to get rid of the like military. Uh, what's the word? Mil- Mil- militia type equipment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So this dude had again Kevlar piercing ammunition. Right. He had a fucking Uzi and a shotgun, a 12 gauge shotgun. Right. You're gonna send a counselor into that? Yeah. That that's your plan? It's a great fucking plan. Yeah. Great plan. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Was it Minnesota? That actually defunded the police and then like weeks later they're like, yeah. No, no, come back. Yeah. Come back. Because all the crime. Uh huh. And I think the same shit was happening in Portland. Yeah. It, thank I, God I'm not though. Get into, like, Democratic that would be the, a whole different podcast. But yeah, thank God but, now mental health treatment is is different yeah it's significantly improved yeah police training obviously has improved not that it would have made a difference in this case yeah in any way shape or form but elected officials need to, to read the, stuff like this yeah they and they need to go on fucking ride-alongs mm-hmm. and see what the fuck is yeah. going on but i mean this would be a perfect example this is yeah. obviously a man having a psychotic break yeah and you're gonna send a social worker in there right I bet you that social worker's like, fuck you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not doing it. You first. Yep. I will hold the door. Right. So, yeah, this one was a lot of carnage. And I mean, even if you're not a gun person and don't want to conceal carry. Pray to God the guy next to you is. It, that and at least f- learn how to do a fucking tourniquet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, and the- Illinois is trying to get the fucking police out of the schools, which is the worst fucking yeah. idea. So at least, I mean, I showed Leah how to, right. you know, I showed our 14 year old how to do a fucking tourniquet. Yeah, we did. This might be more important than having a gun. We're also in the day and age where, I mean, we, we played sound of bullets hitting concrete and bullets hitting bricks. So the kids could know what it sounded yeah. like in case they heard that. Yeah. Like, that's the fucked up world we live in. Right. But, I mean, unf- this is the shit they need to know. I remember when I, w- I was pregnant with Jax and Leah was in third grade and they had their first lockdown drill, which mm-hmm. makes me sick to my stomach that they have to do them. I get it. I know why they have to do them. But when your third grader comes home and tells you that they taught her that if she's in the bathroom by herself and she hears shooting to stand on the toilet and squat down, Broke my fucking heart. Yeah. Broke my heart. She's eight. Yeah. And they have to learn how to deal with shooters. Jax came home one day and was so excited because he got to help the teacher fucking barricade the door because he doesn't understand. He's eight. Right. He doesn't understand what that means. But Illinois is getting police out. That's insane. Fucking idiots. Yeah. So this one was a bloody one. Yeah. Lola, just for you. I hope I found enough information for you. Yeah, that was a lot. So there was a lot of contradicting information. Really? Yeah. In um, like news reports mm-hmm. versus, I know this is terrible, Wikipedia. Um, 
Wikipedia, though, is where it's fucking at. And Murderpedia, yeah, those are where it's at. Those are some great sites. But Hmm. a lot of conflicting stories about um, just, like, minor ones. Like the one about the baby. The one she was handed out the door. Either way, thank God she was okay. But um, there's not many recent articles. A lot of them are from within days of of the massacre happening. So. But yeah, this is definitely one you don't hear about very often. No, and I I knew I heard about it yeah. before, but I never researched it. But um, if you can, can you put like a couple extra pictures up on Instagram so people can see them? Yeah, for sure. Because they'll yeah they'll be good. For sure. Yeah. So I thought that one was going to be a nugget, but I kept I kept reading. So we did, did get another request, like literally as we were getting ready to start recording. So I still have the list from Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, West Memphis 3, I mm-hmm. started. So and The New York one. Yep, we got a request for a New York one. So mm-hmm. I got a couple that I got to work on. So cool. West Memphis 3, is it's going to take me a little bit. So, yeah. But we're not going to, I'm not going to like just leave everybody hanging. There's not, we're not going to not record while I do the West Memphis 3. So right. I'm right. just going to do a couple in between there and then just kind of do the West Memphis 3 as I can. Yeah. Um, oh, I get it. It's a lot. Delphi I'm saving because mm. I'm. we're talking like this is going to be a four-parter. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buckle in. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So. I'll have to pre- prepare myself. I mean, yeah, you've, you've already heard it all. Yes, I so. have. <laughs> I don't care. You're going to fucking listen again. I know. I know. Babe, there's so much stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you, they know. They oh, just... I, 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 I know that they do. I was talking about this the other day, and I think I roped poor little Jackie into it again, who is so stinking cute because she's like, I really try to listen to the podcast, but like, I fall asleep. it's totally okay yeah because i brought up a poop shoot to her and i said you know the whole thing with that and she's like no (laughs) and i was like oh okay she's like i fall asleep it's okay you have such a soothing voice babe wake up sue Ah. actually said that she she hasn't listened since the Dwallaby case because she had a hard time with that one. Oh, really? So I sent her a list of which ones did not include child murder so she could. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you have to listen now because, like, the quality, the sound quality is better. You don't have to hold your phone into your fucking eardrum right. to hear us. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that was cool. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you, Lola. Yes. Thank you, Lola. I sing every time I say that name. Her name was Lola. Barry Manuel. Uh, funny. Wasn't, wait, there's another song. Lola, isn't there? A much better one, I think, than Barry Manilow, probably. But. No, isn't the other one Layla? No, that's Eric Clapton. Yeah. There's a Lola. Kelly knows. It's her favorite song. Mm. Which is funny, because when we are not recording, I'll tell you what it's about. Oh, okay. So. We would like to be politically correct. Ah, uh, gotcha. So. All right. Well, and then we have to decide if we're going to do number 13 or just skip it. Yeah. I, I say we skip it. But does it fucking matter? 
I mean, we've had so much shit happen to us anyway, so... That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. could our luck get any worse? Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Our air conditioner is going to break the next fucking day again. Yeah, Watch. Right. I'm going to pull my other toe off. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I can't feel my legs, so I can't We're not talking fucking... about you, though. We're talking about my toe. Look at it. Uh, yeah, just put a fucking Band-Aid on it. You're so mean. See, and you guys think I'm the fucking mean one of the duo? Listen to this shit. He doesn't give a fuck about my toe. I love you. No, you don't. If you did, you would care about my toe. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> so keep following and subscribing and liking, please. Um, leave reviews, especially if you're on Apple. Please leave a review. Or um, leave us a review to tell us what we're doing wrong. That's cool, too. I'll take it personally. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, And we'll have... I'm going to try and get a couple out soon. Cool. So... Thank you, guys. Stay tuned. We'll... Oh, we'll tell you if we're on YouTube. When we get there. Oh, yeah. We are definitely trying to get on YouTube The keyword is trying. Yeah. So... In the meantime, though, we still are on Instagram at ddup underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. We are on Facebook as Death Do Us Part. Right. We, I am on Twitter mm-hmm. at ddup podcast. And Ash Kell tweeted me back today. Ooh. I freaked the fuck out in the car when my <laughs> phone went off. Babe. Yeah. And then awesome. I made another comment and she liked it. Ooh. I mean, we're like besties now. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and Gmail, ddppodcast.1 at gmail.com. That's where you can send the request. That's where I just got the one for yep. Diane Downs. So we'll be hearing that one soon. Cool. Because she's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.